you'll have to bear with me on this. It could be a right laugh or an absolute car crash. I have a feeling that, that yeah, this is this is gonna be this is gonna be challenging. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if we can talk about this stuff right They've now. done too much stuff, yeah, haven't they? Like complete idiots. Let's start with, um, before we get to WWDC, because there is just a shed load of stuff to talk about, why don't we just start with Apple Music lossless slash Dolby, I'll stop making smart app references, uh, Dolby um, Atmos slash spatial audio slash everything else. You've got some fairly strong feelings on this. I have as well. Um, You you start, because I like your descriptions of what Dolby Atmos in particular sounds like. I wasn't sure about atmos spatial audio for music except where something had been specifically recorded in a live setting with the intention to be mixed in that way because i think that would be really cool to be able to when when head tracking comes later to be able to you know actually turn and listen to that instrument over there or that singer over there or you can sort of lean in and mm. get get a close-up on that guitar solo or whatever the situation is i think that would be quite good um but in its current form it just makes everything sound i think the, the, the phrase i used on the discord was it makes everything sound the way things do when you've left a gig or a club yeah where you can't hear the higher frequencies it's all it all sounds a bit sort of muted and a particular track that i was listening to yesterday which is the jurassic park Hmm. theme performed by the los angeles uh, philharmonic and to be fair the sort of the lush orchestration in the strings and the horns sounds incredible on the just massive wide soundstage yeah but it comes at the expense of the more subtle instrumentation within the arrangement. So there's a really lovely um, sort of tinkling glockenspiel part that crops up throughout the piece, which sits politely at the top of the mix in the stereo version. But when you listen to it in Atmos, hmm. it disappears. Yeah. I don't, have, you, have you tried that? I've, I've not heard that track, but I know exactly what you mean. I think when you mentioned that earlier, that that kind of makes sense that that is one thing one piece of music that is going to sound fairly good on it because that is exactly what they do i'm fairly sure when they mix this stuff for for the movies um, i don't know if this was the original school uh, original piece but um you know if anyone who's got a surround sound system at home if you happen to walk past your rear speakers while there's some music within a film playing they're probably filtering the strings and stuff to the rear channels because it just makes sense to do that. It's, it's, it envelopes you in the sound, and you're not really paying attention, like you say, to things like glockenspiels and stuff, as you would do if you were listening to a piece of music. It's all part of the experience of watching the film. So, yeah, I, I want to have a listen to that. I've only listened to music um, since the, you know it was launched this week uh, on Apple Music uh, through Spatial Audio slash Atmos, um, and it's just I think your description of leaving a club or a loud gig is, is perfect, really. The other one you used, which I think only the home cinema geeks will appreciate, is the um, the AV settings that you get for things like um, stadiums, and which just no one uses and sound horrendous. It, it does sound a bit like that, like someone's accidentally left that on. Um, yeah, 
the, the track that really kind of weirded me out, I appreciate we're going from John Williams to Lady Gaga here, but um, Paparazzi, that was one of the, I think it was The Verge um, mentioned, um, gave, gave a list of about 10 songs that were worth listening to in Dolby Atmos. I had to listen to Paparazzi and I'm not overly familiar with that song, but if you A-B test between the Atmos version slash the, the normal stereo version, the Atmos version sounds like stuff's missing. It's really odd. It's, it sounds like a completely different arrangement um, and everything's all over the place. And for me, I, I, I'm not a fan of, of very, sort of all the presence, all, all that middle middle range EQ. I've always, always kind of, probably to, de- to the detriment of a lot of the sound that I create, reduced that because I, I don't like that sound personally. And to me, um, it's, not, it's not a word, but I think Atmos and spatial audio for music sounds very middly and that mm. that bothers me i don't like that yeah, well one of the tracks on that verge list because yeah, i checked that out as well was uh don't know why by Nora jones which is one of my favorite tracks for that feels like you're in the room feeling mm. it yeah. doesn't need atmos and in actual fact i think it loses something from having had the atmos treatment you listen to that in 2496 on Tidal or Cobus or whatever, it's superb. Yeah. It's just, I, I, I think it's gimmicky, but that said, Apple are really pushing it. Like, you know, the time of recording is the like, 10th of June. If you go into Apple Music today, there's just all of these um, playlists and there's Zane Lowe talking about, you know, talking with top producers about why spatial audio is so important. And I'm surprised how much effort they're putting into it given what it sounds like, um, which makes me wonder if it is purely something for mass market. It's something they they want to try and impress people with. Um, and it is impressive. You know, we've had some people on the Discord server who who have genuinely said they like it, and that's fair enough. You know, it's, we all have our own opinions on this. And I think that the fact that it's not been a kind of blanket, oh, this is terrible, there's been mixed reactions to it, perhaps suggests that there is a market for it, and maybe you and I are the two people it isn't for. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I... Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, I'm not that keen on it. Uh, maybe it needs more time to reveal itself in more appropriate music, like the you know the movie themes and that sort of stuff. Yeah, well, so, I mean, I think because they're sort of retroactively mixing stuff in this this with this spatial audio flavor that we have now, mm. um, I think it's going to take people, you know, producers, a, a, a while to get their heads around. So I think it, it'll almost certainly improve as time goes on. Yeah. And they've got the Apple have got the money to pay producers to to do Apple exclusive spatial audio mixes of tracks that yeah. will probably sound fantastic. But yeah, at the moment it's it's not for me. And yeah, I, I'm glad I'm not the only one because you know in the discussions on the Discord it did seem it does seem like we're very much in the the minority. <laughs> but it's good to know I'm not. All alone. You're not alone in this at all. Um, we've got loads of stuff to talk about WWDC, but very quickly, um, very quick thought on spatial. It's not spatial. We've done that. Very quick thought on lossless audio with Apple Music. What 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 do you think about that? It sounds better than it used to. I found that it's and it's. I'm sure that this will get ironed out, but I found it's quite inconsistent in terms of uh, whether or not you actually get served the lossless version. You sometimes have to go go to another track and then come back and then you'll get the lossless logo or you know you quit out of music and come back the other issue i have with it is that it doesn't change your output settings like 
you know, Crowbar's Tidal or Divana, you know, the other sort of high resolution audio players do, they will match the bitrate output from your Mac to your DAC so that you get a bit perfect signal from server to ear. Apple Music doesn't do that. Um, so when it goes through that process, if it's being downsampled via Mac OS core audio well then you lose all of that additional detail mm-hmm. all of that data all that stuff that that you know you, the likes of you and i with our our dax and our wired headphones that, that we want to hear that we're listening out for so you lose all that yeah um so so that's annoying but it the my i still have the same issue that i've always had with apple music and that it's still got that weird apple music flavor um and it's you don't even need fancy gear to be able to hear it so even listening on like my AirPods Pro, which are not audiophile grade listening equipment by any stretch of the imagination, you can clearly hear um, in like sibilant sounds like mm. S's, um, you know, including like you know, the the sh sounds, soft, yep, um, that kind of thing. So a lyric like "She threw a hissy fit" would sound horrific on no chance, music it? because, and it's also in it shows up in hi hats in the decay from hi hats and any situation where you've got a really nice vocal vibrato. Apple Music for some reason pushes everything more forward in the mix mm. than I think it should sound. And it also introduces a kind of digital warble, a bit like, you know, on a, a, a web conference where the participants' broadband fluctuates and you get that sort of garble. So I can hear that in it. Um, yeah, just vocals have a really strange, grainy, unnatural timbre. And I find that the bass is sort of overblown and flabby rather than taut as it would be if you listen to the original cd version or a you know high resolution lossless service like quobuzz or mm. tidal so yeah i i'm it's still i really wanted to like it but it's still got that that weird apple music flavor that i just i can't get on with and yeah. that no one else seems to be able to hear. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, that's really analytical listening that you're describing. I, I've not heard that stuff, but only because I've not really been listening out for it. I, I, you definitely have a more ana- analytical ear than I do. Absolutely. Um, so I, I probably need to spend a bit of time listening. But um, I, I do wonder with all this stuff, because I, I, I filmed the, the A-roll for my um, kind of explanation of uh, lossless to non-audio files this morning. And I wrote a blog about it this week. And um might be because I'm tired, I don't know, because of WWDC, but it's you can really get your knickers in a twist when you try to describe this to people who won't understand what bit rates are and kilobits per second and all, all this stuff. They just they don't care about it, understandably. Um, and I think Apple knows that. And they, I think that they're trying to meet some sort of middle ground because they, I mean, they're, they're, they've got some very smart audio people there. They know all this stuff. Everything you've just said, they absolutely know. And what was interesting when I was doing my testing, um, I, up until this week, I have never really A-B tested my Sennheiser, my wide Sennheisers against the AirPods Max. But I did that as part of this testing, just on, on the off chance. And I'd, it's, it's amazing how coloured, I, I knew they were anyway, but just how coloured and how EQ'd the AirPods Max are. They, they just sound so different to a, a fairly flat pair of headphones. But actually, I really like it. I really like whatever they've done with AirPods Max. And I do wonder, although AirPods Max can't, at the moment, process that that full lossless signal because of you know, limitations with Bluetooth, Bluetooth etc., I just wonder if there's something going on uh, and they're perhaps thinking towards the future in terms of 
how this stuff will sound on their own headphones and Beats headphones. You know, maybe some of the stuff that you've you've noticed is a result of them tuning the Apple Music um, codec to sound as good as possible, again, for a mass market on a pair of headphones like Beats Studio or the AirPods Max. I don't know. We're, we're guessing, really, aren't we? But well, something's going so on. I had the same thought, and I've got no problem with, a, with a, an art, you know, a, 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 a signature sound. Because you know, so I my my favourite pair of headphones that I've owned to date are my Bang and Olufsen H9Is, and they're not flat by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a really enjoyable sound without becoming fatiguing. Hmm. The Apple Music sound, I went down the same thought process as you as well. They probably tuned it to sound best on their own headphones, but I've got a pair of Beats Solo Pro here. Okay, I've got a pair of AirPods Pro. And it still sounds terrible on their own headphones, or rather, you know, it sounds—it doesn't sound as good to me, to my ears as alternative streaming services, either on Apple headphones or on other headphones. So, yeah, I I thought, yeah, maybe they've tuned it to complement their own headphones. Doesn't seem to be the case. I can still hear mm. all those same issues even on AirPods Pro. Again, maybe that's uh, yeah. your your listening abilities versus 99.9% of the people who will buy Beats headphones. I don't know. But on to WWDC, because there's quite a bit to cover. Uh, I'm not sure how we're going to do this. We, we won't cover all of it. I, I think the best thing with this, Rob, I don't know if you agree, is just to go through this and pick out the bits that we think were most interesting um, and do it by operating system. That's probably the easiest thing. Before that, okay. though, um, hardware... Uh, um, I think this was a, a bit of a, a lesson, certainly for me, because I know that I am... Um uh, about a month or so ago mentioned that I would stop paying attention to Apple rumours. I did that for about a couple of days and then realised that I was still following John Prosser on Twitter and just got sucked in straight away again with all of his um, kind of expectations about WWDC. It, and nothing happened. No, there was not a single piece of hardware um, at all. Nothing. And I was thinking about the, the, this morning to the time leading up to WWDC and there weren't, and this isn't unusual, but there weren't any, I, can, I, I know of, any leaked uh, rumours or anything really about iOS or macOS. I know it's harder to leak that stuff and gain access to that information because it's software. There's no supply chain, etc. But yeah, there was nothing. It was all complete hardware and it, it just seemed nailed on that at least we were going to get a preview of a brand new MacBook Pro, yeah, this kind of 14-inch version. And it wasn't just John Prosser saying it, it was all of them. They all, Even the analysts were, were, were saying this. But yeah, no hardware, so we're going to have to wait until later this year. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll moan about that and amuse about that on the next uh, next show, I think. But um, moving on to the stuff that was revealed, I suppose if we just start with iOS 15, um, it's probably the easier one to start with. Uh, it was... What, what annoyed me a little bit about this keynote, uh, I mentioned this... Um, while we were talking about it on the live Discord server, was that there's a lot of talk about this kind of remote world we're now living in, which is part and parcel of everyday life anyway. It just bothered me that it seemed to be a lot of, um, almost as though Apple's development roadmap has been tuned to match this reduced contact that we're all having now. Um, you know, I don't want that to be the future. I don't think anyone does really. Uh, but it just bothered me a little bit. I don't, is that unfair? I don't know if you if you picked up on that. I think they're they're responding to people's needs as they stand at the moment because you know tr travel is difficult and it's likely to be difficult for a while because you know although 
a lot of countries, the, the richer countries are doing very well with their vaccination program. There are also lots of places in the world that are not doing so well. Yeah. And until everyone is vaccinated, no one is safe, if, you know, effectively, because there'll be new variants and all that kind of stuff. So I think, I think it's good. I think mm. I'm sure they had other stuff that they would like to have worked on, but they've really focused in on the, the togetherness um, aspect of things, even going to the point of doing really unapple things like opening up FaceTime oh, yeah. to be multi-platform, which was always the case. I don't know if you remember when FaceTime was first announced, Steve Jobs was like, this is going to be an open standard. I'd um, forgotten that, but I now think, you've said it, yeah. I think I there were uh, patent issues and other sort of legal concerns that, mm. and possibly strategic concerns based on what we've seen from the Epic trial and all their emails and whatnot. <laughs> but certainly when it was launched, the intention was that it would be uh, you know, an open standard. And that, that didn't really happen. But now it seems to be coming to via web browser on yeah. anything, which is really nice. It's massive, isn't it? Yeah, really, really good. I, I think FaceTime was easily like the, the highlight, wasn't it? For particularly for iOS, I know it goes across the, the whole all the, all the other platforms, but um, yeah, just share, the ability to share that link on a you know and have someone on Android join it. They 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 kind of went over it fairly quickly, but you could see there were you know I think oh Craig was it Craig that was doing that part of it? So a kind of a, a wry smile, wasn't there? Um, I think it's absolutely fantastic, and they're introducing all those kind of zoom, zoom-like features, aren't they? You know, blurred backgrounds and spatial audio is coming to it as well, um, obviously. Oh yeah, the old uh, the grid for you. Well, and the what I'm interested in is the the voice isolation. Mm. So they've you've got various degrees. You can choose how much background noise you want. The problem is, I, I don't really use FaceTime much. It's I don't use it much for for work. It's it's yeah, a personal thing, isn't it? Where you tend to keep in touch with your family and stuff, but. I'll definitely be trying well, it. I think they want. I think they want to change that, don't they? They're oh, clearly going after Zoom. Yeah, totally agree. I think a lot of a lot of probably smaller businesses will will probably do that. It makes total sense. You know, if you've got an iPhone and everyone else has, it's it's all part of it. It's free, isn't it? Um, I don't think there's any limits and things placed on it. I, I guess knowing knowing FaceTime and knowing Apple, it's, it will just work for as long as you need it to, and away you go. I'm not sure what the the limit is on the number of concurrent users. It's like 32 no. or something. A lot Apparently. of people they, they may open that up. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, so FaceTime. That's that's pretty cool. That's cool. Yep. I think the um, the sharing the share play. I think it was called. Uh, I like the the look of that. Uh, again, I don't know how much I'd use that personally. But again, going back to the whole new way of living and, and what have you, and um, yeah, the ability to watch in perfect sync apparently or listen to something in, in sync with other people uh, remotely and comment on it and recommend things and stuff. Uh, yeah, that I thought that looked really cool. I, I wasn't expecting that. But again, it's one of those obvious things that Apple does that you think, well, yeah, why wouldn't you do this? Well, and screen sharing as well. Mm. I've lost count of the amount of times that I've had to do a screen recording locally on my device to show someone how to do something and then send them that video file. Yeah. Whereas now you can see their screen and you can talk them through, oh, tap that button, turn that off, yep. do you know, do whatever. So that, that would be quite good for, you know, helping your nan <laughs> sort out whatever issues she's got with her iPhone. Um, but, well, I mean, that SharePlay thing, they, they announced the, they've got an API for it. So developers mm. can build this SharePlay thing into their apps. And they've already got a bunch of people on board, like uh, Disney, well, yep. obviously Disney, uh, but, you know, Hulu, Twitch, TikTok, they're all on board. Mm. But uh, notably absent was Netflix. Yeah, so, I spotted that. I think it's probably going to remain absent. 
although it's on Apple TV. It's not as though it's... I was going to mention Spotify, but even that's on Apple TV, isn't it? It's, there's there's definitely some boardroom battles going on there still, aren't there? Mm. So yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Definitely. Um, I quite like the messages stuff, the stacked media, because that's irritating. If someone sends you a bunch of photos and they're all all over the place, they'll now be sort of grouped into a stack and then they'll be in a separate section of your photos album. Of, it's called Shared With You. Yep. Rather than you, your photo library getting littered with you know memes and photo bombs and other nonsense that people send you. Yeah, because it's, it's intelligent, isn't it? It kind of somehow gets rid of that stuff and just gives you the photos that it thinks you want to see, which um, that I think, yeah, again, great little update. I liked what they did with what they, they seem to be doing with notifications. Not a massive update, but it just looks tidier. Um, having used Android a fair bit this year, um, I do prefer Android notifications. I think they're more detailed. They look better. Um, I think from the looks of it, iOS 15 is going to get a bit closer to that as well, isn't it? Yeah. So I think last time we talked about Google I.O. and I pointed out a couple of areas where Google had done, you know, sort of adopted some very apple things. And uh, it's exactly the same thing here. So, well, even to the, even to the point of getting Apple Earth and uh, <laughs> Apple Lens. Um, which of course, are, yeah, because yeah, Microsoft Lens, it's, it's, it's just that, isn't it, basically, that? document uh, yeah word capture yeah so so yeah so they, they've so they've absolutely they've just completely ripped off google earth and google lens microsoft lens um but no yeah the no, the notifications is because yeah notifications on android better by country bar yeah it's not even a it's not even a not conversation even a battle, to be had there no, but this looks like it's getting closer i what i did notice about it was the bigger thumbnails that's quite welcome i didn't see that and if you yeah so in the dem in the sort of brief demos that they showed the 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 previews the thumbnails were mm. were noticeably bigger um and yeah the whole focus mode thing yep. looks really cool as well to sort of set what you want to see depending on your context yeah the thing with that i, I couldn't work out how configurable that was i don't know if you you spotted it whether or not it's some because i know it does a certain amount of it intelligently doesn't it It kind of works out what you you probably need if you're focusing for work whatever it might be but um did you get the impression that you can customize that as well I think so. So sort of reading between the lines, I mean, they gave sort of four scenarios, didn't they? Sort of work, home, uh, gym, or something like that, so that you could set yep. what you wanted to see depending on the context you're in. And what was quite amusing was that your status will be, you know, if you don't want to be interrupted, will be broadcast to other iMessage yeah. users in a AOL instant messenger styling <laughs> from the nineties. Got to be careful with what you set those focuses to be in that case, haven't you? I was just yeah. looking at the, the screenshot of it actually. I quite like the fact it says, so that, yeah, that the ones they give are do not disturb personal work and sleep. And, and beneath each one, it says get started. So it's like sleep. Let's get started with sleep. <laughs> Typical Apple, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I, I love that. I, I love, I mean, we'll come on to it, but they've, they've built it across uh, Macs, uh, sorry, iOS, Mac OS and iPad OS as well, haven't they? So, and they all, yeah. You know, the, the focus is that you create sync across those devices. I think for me, it would be, be more useful on the Mac, potentially the iPad as well. But yeah, I, I like that sort of stuff. Well, I mean, it's quite good. So if you, you know, you're you're about to go into a meeting and you mm. set do not disturb, or you know, you set a focus mode on your Mac. Well, then that will apply to your stack of iPads and your various phones that you have automatically. Because I, you know, I mean, I also have I have too many devices, and yeah, yeah I will almost always forget to do not disturb on one of them so that's good that all of your associated devices on if you're assuming they're all logged into the same iCloud account yeah will all adopt that will inherit that same focus mode yeah 
which is or should be really handy. Oh, I totally agree. I'm just scrolling through what else they've done. Because um, the whole, for me, the FaceTime thing just kind of got in the way of everything. Quite, quite rightly, I think it was, it was probably easily the biggest part of the update to iOS. But everything else was things like, um, on, this is typical Apple wording, on-device intelligence powers live text, advanced spotlight search and more. No idea what that well, means. A, that was a big. That was a running theme, wasn't it? That they're really moving things to on device, so Siri can yep. now be used offline. Yep. Um, and yeah, things like the the system wide OCR live text, where mm. you can point your phone at, you know, like a whiteboard of notes that you've made, and then it will OCR that, and then you can just straight in the photo highlight that text and copy it into an email or a note or whatever. Yep. So that, yeah, that's really that's really cool. But I say it's nothing; it's not new. This has been done before. And in actual fact, there's there was a, an app called Prismo that was very popular on iOS that did a similar thing. Okay. And obviously, on other platforms, you've got the lens yep. style thing. So yeah, so there's sort of catching up a bit there. Yeah, definitely. The other stuff was uh, there's a lot of uh, kind of small updates related to Apple Wallet, wasn't there? So things like your car keys and stuff and. Um, again, I don't drive a BMW, so I, I don't have access to that. And a lot of it was to do with ID uh, at the moment in the in, in the in the states. So when, if that would ever come here, I know we have, we all have different ID um, types of ID in each country, so they've got to battle with that, I suppose. But they really want to get everything into that wallet app, don't they? Literally everything, as much as they can. Which again makes perfect sense. I'm all for that. I'd much rather get rid of my wallet because. I barely take it anywhere these days because of Apple Pay. Um, mm. But there are certainly instances, definitely in this country, where you, you have to if you've got your driving license or, or what have you. So hopefully we, we get to see that over here as well. I'm, I'm less excited about the ID element and more excited about the keys. So any situation where you, you know, you've got an RFID mm. uh, or NFC card, so like you're, in a corporate setting, your work pass could theoretically, if your employer was cool with that, you could have that yeah. in your phone. Or, you know, hotel room keys, they're often sort of card-based. Or, you know, a lot of attractions these days, you can load up your attraction card to go on rides or yeah. get food or whatever. So, and and the home as well. So, I mean, I've got a, a smart, a, 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 a card-based lock on my front door in my house it's okay. a yale connexus and yeah it really annoys me that i can't put that in my wallet mm. and so i have to have the official swipey card even yeah, though, yeah. I mean, it's it's just a box standard card that, that you would see anywhere else but yeah i think if we are able to embed that into the wallet that would be awesome yeah i think it's coming isn't it at some stage definitely uh redesign weather app rob that's massively exciting, isn't it? Um, um, well, they bought Dark Sky, didn't they? Which I completely forgot about Android that. Users. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Dark Sky was also used by Carrot. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so it's good that some of those functionalities are coming back after, obviously, they, they killed it. Yeah, it's, um, it's nice to see that. It still won't take me away from the BBC weather app because I'm... British, but uh, again, nice to see those updates. Um, let's move on to iPad OS because that was the the one that we kind of teased, didn't we? Last well, uh, hold on. Last Before episode. we move off, okay. I, I, I missed I, the, the the single most exciting thing in the iOS 
segment. Yep. Oh, actually, it might have been in the iPad segment, so I apologise if this is the case, but the uh, the ability to have extensions on mobile Safari, which you haven't been able to do before. I completely forgot about that. Talk about it. So uh, there was... Um, I've seen... There was a, a, a Twitter um, conversation from the one password guy. So they've already sort of shown off where they're going with that. So that would be really cool to have one password extension built into mobile Safari on yeah. iPhone and iPad. Yep. So I'm quite looking forward to that. But there, I think this is a product of an alliance between the major browser providers, so Apple, Mozilla, uh, Google, obviously. I think they've all agreed on a standardised extensions framework. So I think we'll see a lot more in the way of exciting extensions everywhere ongoing. That'd be nice, but, yeah. Um, certainly in the in the immediate term or the short term, sort of later this year, extensions in, in mobile Safari. That that was the one of the standout things for me, I think. Yeah, I'd completely forgotten about that. And actually one of the main reasons I occasionally go back to Chrome, admittedly not on um, mobile, but on, on desktop is because of the the plugins that you get for it. Uh, there's one or two things that I use on YouTube that you just can't get on Safari. So, um, yeah, hopefully that will open up a whole new world, particularly on, on the iPhone. That'd be great. Uh, can we now talk about iPad OS? Dare we? <laughs> we must. <laughs> so the very first show that we did was titled If We Only Get Widgets. It, or if all we get is widgets, something like that. I should know the title of my own <laughs> podcast. Um, but that's exactly what they opened with. It was widgets on iOS, sorry, iPadOS 15. But it's not just widgets, though, is it? It's bigger widgets. It's bigger widgets, large widgets. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well, I mean, so great. Yeah, we can put them wherever we like or, um, and you get some bigger ones. Well, I mean, it's, it's generally pulling in all the stuff from iOS 14, isn't it? So you've got yeah. your app library, you can hide or reorder pages of apps, you need to get rid of those if you yeah. want to. Um, so yeah, just it's brought it up to speed with what we had on the iPhone last year, and yeah. that's, no, that's no bad thing. It's no-brainer, isn't it, really? Uh, better multitasking, that did look better, to be fair, and that, again, it's not hard to, to make it better than it is at the moment because it's a bit fiddly, but I, I like the idea of having that little drop-down where you can very easily choose the, the you know, position of the window. Again, well, they've, they've cribbed that from Samsung, but yeah, no, it's good to see it. Oh, have they? Okay, that's interesting. Mm. Um, but yeah, good to see it, like you say. Never first the party with this stuff, are they, Apple? But um, again, great. I don't know about you. I mean, I, I was constantly waiting for something, you know, kind of, and here is what we're doing with the M1 iPad. It, the M1 iPad wasn't even mentioned, I don't think, during the event, unless I missed it. And you don't expect them to mention specific hardware in that in that in that way. But I think most looking at the comments when I when I launched, uh, I published my video, um, basically, kind of denouncing the, the M1 iPad as being the most boring Apple release in the last few years. Most comments that didn't agree with me were saying, wait until WWDC. That's where we're going to see this power suddenly unleashed. And even, I know we'll come on to it soon, but even with the, the stuff they've done with Universal Control in uh, Mac OS, it's still, you don't need a, an M1 iPad to, to, to use that stuff. There was nothing on this keynote that, talked like i say about the power that the m1 ipad has anywhere or, or did i miss it no you Were didn't miss it or? it's uh i i'm yeah disappointed isn't the word hmm. well i mean i i wasn't expecting the kind of crazy things that i was you know my my speculation that we've gone into before but i was expecting more than better multitasking and widgets 
But the stuff that you you've kind of talked about that this you know the ideas that you've had that what they might be doing with it all made sense to me, and that it, it was the sort of thing where okay, you may not see the finished result of that, but you at least a preview of what they're doing with it potentially. You know, they, they I know they've typically previewed hardware. You know, they, they previewed the Mac Pro and and various other devices past WWDCs, but it, it, it seems that it would have made sense to preview what the M1 iPad is going to be able to do. In, even if it's not, you know, iPad OS 15, if it's iPad OS 16 or something else next year, just give us a glimpse of it because it, it does. Again, it comes back to what I've said all along, which is why, why keep making the iPad ridiculously quick if you're not going to do anything with it? So I'm certain that something will come eventually. I'm mm. sad that it's not this year, and I, yeah, I, I don't think it's not really Apple style, is it? To preview next year's stuff. So yeah, no, it's true. we'll wait till next year. So I, I um. In anticipation of the sort of things that I was expecting to see with the iPad, I sold my uh, Magic Keyboard for my iPad. And you know, you know, I'm, I I consider buying nice things for the least amount of money a sport. <laughs> yeah. um, so I mean, I I got it at a discount. I sold it for what I paid for it, so I didn't lose any money on it. Um, expecting the revised one to maybe have something new like a row of function keys mm-hmm. to you know enable you to set the backlight or whatever or um you know just be some kind of improvement on the old one and it and it wasn't and i was seriously considering getting rid of my 2018 ipad pro and getting an m1 mm pending something cool happening at wwdc which, which didn't happen so anyway long story short i've bought another magic keyboard because i'm just i i, I missed it and i'm going to be using my 2018 ipad pro for the foreseeable future until apple give me a reason to get an m1 yeah they've got to give me a reason as well I, I, so I, since we did the last show i've been using the again 2018 um ipad pro for photo editing now i've really been enjoying it actually it's been a bit of a revelation i don't know it's one of those things i don't know why i didn't do it earlier i think i kind of spurred myself on to, to at least give it a go and um for that i just use lightroom mobile which is really really good app really quick on the on the 2018 version of the ipad pro absolutely no reason whatsoever to change it that that is such a it's still i'm sure as i'm sure you, you're finding out a really quick ipad it's you know, i don't use half of what it can do in terms of performance and um yeah, I need a reason to to change it. You know, I really do. It, even from a, re, a reviewer's perspective, I can't see the point in getting that M1 iPad because I don't know what I talk about. It would be a case of here it is. It looks pretty much the same as the the 2018 version. It runs all the same apps. They perform identically. I, it wouldn't be much of a, a review in that case. So, yeah, I'm I'm disappointed really. I've, the whole thing felt flat at that point for me. I mean, I think the saving grace. There are two things on the iPad OS side of things, which was the system-wide Quick Notes. Yes, I would. I would use that. So I'm looking forward to that. And um, Swift Playgrounds, the ability to build an iPad app on an iPad. Yeah, I mean, it's not the Xcode we were hoping for, but that'll do. That's a start. Mm. It is. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So you could. Just with an iPad, you could build an iPad app and submit it to the App Store. Actually, I don't know if you can do it direct from the iPad. I think you also would need a Mac, and you need to. You can export your project to Xcode, and then you hmm. can submit it to the App Store. I think I'm not. I'm not 100 on that. But anyway, but in any case, just the ability to build the yeah. app in the first place on the iPad with just an iPad. It's brilliant. Yeah, that's a fair point. That was probably the one thing where, again, you don't need an M1 iPad, I, I assume, to to use it. But um, it's yeah, that that was that was a real 
thumbs up. Again, not something I would use myself, but I, I can think of you know, kids and, and people who are just curious about programming um, just to pick up an iPad. And, and it's, it's, it's far more, there's, there's less barriers to doing that than, than there is to installing Xcode on your Mac and doing all that stuff. Just to, to download a single app and, and effectively be able to build a, an iPhone or an iPad app, is that's, that is really impressive. Okay, let's move on. Um, Mac OS, see if we can get the name right of this. So it's Mac OS Monterey which uh, I'm very British with this. I never, very rarely know where these places are in California, but it looks very nice if you Google it. And um, yeah, I think very, firstly, I think the first thing I'd like to mention is the most impressive part of that demo, um, which kind of came out of nowhere, which was their universal control, which is a, a kind of extension of the the whole, um, you know, universal clipboard and um continuity stuff that's been around for quite a while i use continuity all the time when i switched to the um the pixel for, for about a month i, I really missed that and you, it, again you don't it's a classic thing where you don't realize what you've got until it's not not available and um yeah just copying text you know airdropping things and all sorts of stuff that i use and and t- just to watch that demo where they, they move the mouse cursor um, it was a real flex wasn't it when, when he, he had he had a, a an ipad a MacBook, I think, and an iMac in it in a row, and he grabbed a piece of content on the iPad and passed it pointlessly through a MacBook in the middle, just because he could, onto the iMac and into a timeline on um, on Final Cut Pro. That's yeah, that, that was the, the the sickest demonstration of drag and drop functionality in the history of technology. Yeah, no, no one will ever go through that process. Why would you have a, a MacBook in the middle of that process? You just wouldn't, but you can. So. It was so cool. I think that was my favourite thing that I saw in the whole the whole deal was was that that one moment that that yeah that that tickled me that did I like that. The only thing I'm a bit nervous about is how how well it will work in practice because I still have issues with uh, particularly the AirPods AirPods Pro in in, in mainly um, it's doing the automatic switching between devices. Sometimes it works brilliantly and it to a point where it's just like oh this is fan- this is just so convenient. And other times it will just infuriate me to pull out the hair that I don't have anymore. Um, so it does remain to be seen how this works, whether or not it works with third-party keyboards and, and mice. Or I, I guess it will. I can't see why it wouldn't. It's just the input device, isn't it? But that's the only slight concern I have. So until I've got my hands on it, I'm going to reserve judgment. But if it works as it looked like it worked on the demo, then that is seriously impressive. I think it's, it's definitely a step ahead of... Um sidecar it's not yeah. it's not quite the tandem i wanted but it, it's it's getting there I'll, I'll take it i'm looking forward to giving it a go yeah and sidecar is a little bit buggered i don't know if you remember rob ages ago i had a problem where i could not get my ipad pro to appear as a sidecar display mm. and you gave me a few things to try and we just couldn't work out what was going on it's just started working i've not done anything i've not changed anything i've not reinstalled ipad os or anything just started working the other day well, that's Weird. good news. Yeah, great news. But it, but that kind of comes along with a bunch of other issues I've had with Sidecar and either not connecting properly or dropping the connection and stuff. So if it gets rid of the need pretty much for Sidecar, um, I know they're two different things, then yeah, I'll, I'll be using it all the time. It's great. Um, yeah. I think this, the second most exciting thing about the, the Mac OS is the ability to AirPlay to a Mac, which you haven't been able to do without third-party software. Well, I feel sorry for Rogue Amoeba. So before, if you wanted to do this, you would use Airfoil. Yeah. Um, I mean, luckily, they do a bunch of other really cool stuff. Um, but, um, yeah, one of many things that <laughs> Apple Sherlocked during the course of that presentation. They wiped out so much, didn't they? Absolutely. So, you know, so yeah, Logitech Flow 
Well, that's that's gone now, isn't it? Because yeah. we've got universal control now. All VPNs have gone. We'll come on to that in a minute VPN, as well. VPN, yeah. It's the thing of the past now, isn't it? Um, just very quickly, shortcuts. Uh, as you know, I'm not a shortcuts user at all. But for some reason, I'm very excited about it coming to the Mac just because I know I'm missing out on something anyway. But I think uh, people can't see this, but Rob's shaking his head in disbelief that I still don't use shortcuts. Um, no, but- no, I'm shaking my head in disbelief that I completely forgot about shortcuts on the Mac. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, which wow. is my, when, that's my favourite thing about the whole of all WWDC. People, Rob. Sorry, I, yeah, <laughs> as, as you know, I'm mad for shortcuts. And uh, yeah, the ability to have shortcuts on the Mac is that's the best thing that they showed. Yeah. I, I don't know how that slipped my mind. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's why I'm here. Um, but that I, I will invest time in that. I, I still won't invest much time in it on the, on the, on the iPhone. But m- maybe if I do it on the Mac, maybe that will get me addicted to shortcuts and I'll start having shortcuts on everything I've, I own. But yeah, just something about it coming to the Mac. I, I, I never used Automator. I, I know that's been around for eons, but um, never, never had the reason or even had the time really to, to try it out. So... But I will, I promise, with shortcuts on, on Mac OS when it comes later this year, definitely. What, what do you think of the Safari redesign? I really like it. I'm, I'm a big Safari user, I think, like I mentioned earlier. So um, I, I use a lot of tabs. Uh, I'm, I'm fairly good in terms of tab management. I don't tend to leave too many open and stuff. But I liked the way they have reorganised them. Um, I like the kind of fluffy, pretty stuff where it changes the, the colour of the UI based on the, the, the website you're viewing and all that sort of stuff. Right. That's, that's, that's another another thing they've nicked from elsewhere. That's very material you, isn't it? It is. That's a very good point. They're so good at this, aren't they? Um, um, yeah, but the, so, yeah, the tab groups. Tab groups as well. I yep. think are very cool. And the, the, the ability to share those tab groups really easily. So if you're working on something and you've got like a bunch of reference material, mm. you can just share that whole tab group with you know someone you're working with or friends or family or whatever because you're perhaps looking at holiday destinations when yeah when we're allowed to do that again yeah i was really impressed with fly far away from here (laughs) don't get me started um yeah i I think that's that that was a really big update what they they didn't do much more to safari did they i think that was pretty much the the headline thing apart from all the usual speed improvements all that sort of stuff um there wasn't much else, was there? I don't think. Obviously, it gets all of the the kind of um, you know, COVID influenced stuff in all the remote share, uh, remote sharing, all the things we talked about with iOS and, and iPadOS. But it looks like a fairly solid, you know, tweaked update to macOS. I think really. Well, I mean, there were a few things that they didn't mention that have come out from people who've been brave enough to install the developer beta. So when you um, drag windows from one screen to another it will automatically resize it based on the uh the scaling between those two screens because you know sometimes if you've got an external monitor you drag it from one to the other or if you're going from your internal laptop screen to an external monitor Mm. or vice versa it can sometimes be too big too small whatever so now i i've i read something that said that when you drag it it sort of it's it's cleverer about that so that you don't have that annoyance that's good um you can use another m1 mac as an external display oh okay apparently not not in the wired sense not in the old uh, target display mode at days of old but i think via airplay which I, I don't think you could do before so in theory then you can use an imac as a second screen yeah that apparently a lot of questions about that i get on the channel i wonder if that if that works that'd be quite interesting might have to get that well, test. So because it's because it's wireless you'll probably have some latency issues there'll be some degree of compression um in order to make that work 
That's true. Certainly, you're not going to get four and a half K resolution. No. But, um, yeah, so that'd be one thing to look out for. You and you can now do uh, an iPhone style erase content and settings without having to reinstall the whole operating system in Mac OS. That's pretty frightening. Um, I think that was it. Hmm, okay. Although actually, it's just reminded me of um, on iPad OS, you can now run iPhone applications in landscape because before they would always open in portrait and there was nothing you could do about it but now if you you know perhaps are a magic keyboard user or you just prefer to use your ipad in landscape any apps that haven't been converted to be proper native ipad apps as you know you can install iphone apps on the ipad you can now run those in landscape which is quite nice that's quite handy yeah i'm sure these little tweaks will keep filtering out when they as you say as people start using the beta i will use use the beta the public beta at some stage but um, not on any production machines because that would be mental. Um, watch oh, actually, well, other things that they didn't mention is uh, signing into apps on TVOS. Oh, okay. You can now do using your Face ID or Touch ID on your phone. Oh, nice. So your you know your iCloud keychain, whereas before you would have to. Get it. I mean, admittedly, they still made that quite nice because you could enter your password in via the on-screen keyboard on your phone, but now you don't even have to do that. If if they've got a stored password for you, you can just face ID and then it'll log you in on your Apple TV. I love that stuff. Yeah, anything that saves a few, shaves a few seconds off is is good by me, definitely. Um, Moving on to watchOS. I mean, that was the, I suppose, the one operating system that didn't get a huge amount of love. Um, Yeah, what did they do? (laughs) Oh, Uh, the Breathe app is now... Portrait photos, you can use the crown to make people's faces bigger, because... That's something I've always wanted to be able of course to do. You know about you. You've always wanted to place the time just behind your head as well, haven't you? <laughs> so it separates the, the background in your, the back of your head. Um, to be fair, they did look quite nice, actually. I'd, I'd probably yeah, use them. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm knocking it, but I mean, yeah, it does look very nice, but yeah. it is silly, isn't it? It is. I don't take many portrait photos with the phone either, anyway. But um, what else? Yeah, so the Breathe app got some updates. I think this was quite smart. I mean, it's it it interesting to hear that they said the Breathe app was the most used um, during 2020, which makes sense, uh, given what was going on. But it also reveals that they do keep track of this stuff, which is, is useful. Why wouldn't they, I suppose? But again, I don't use the Breathe app. I, I tried it when it first came out. I don't tend to, to get involved in that kind of thing. But I know it means a lot to a lot of people. And uh, yeah, all this mindfulness stuff is is really valuable, isn't it? I think it's, it makes it's a, it's a logical step forward for that particularly if it's used that much. Yeah, well, let's let's go on from watchOS. Just very quickly, the home side of things. Obviously, that's where tvOS featured um, fairly briefly. Um, that was quite interesting. They're doing a lot more with the HomePod Mini. For example, the HomePod Mini can become now a almost like a remote um, kind of extension for Siri. Kind of, you can ask your HomePod Mini to play you know, the latest season of Ted Lasso on your Apple TV, and away it goes. And all the sharing stuff. I mean, that's where that that share play really comes alive on the TV, I think. I'm, I'm a massive convert to the Apple TV now. I absolutely love it, um, despite previous um, things I've, I've written and said about it. But, yeah, the, the idea that you can sit there and watch films and TV shows with your mates and they can be in a different part of the world, that is that is where it, that totally makes sense. Yeah, well, the, what's also quite cool is since the most recent tvOS, you can have multiple profiles locked into an Apple TV, which you couldn't do before, and it will make suggestions based on what it knows about each user's preferences and say, well, look, we think that of the four people that are sitting around the television right now, three of them are going to like this. Yep. And yeah. That sort of, so that oh, that would be that's quite cool. Yeah, it gets better. The, the, the bigger the the library gets on Apple TV Plus the more useful that kind of thing is. So that was all interesting. Um, lastly, I think this is lastly, um, privacy and iCloud Plus. 
I don't think we've missed anything out, have we? Um, they devoted quite a bit of the, the show to this, which was very sensible and very admirable, I think. Uh, loads of stuff they're doing with privacy. We, we mentioned this earlier about things like Siri, you know, being able to do a lot of the on-device Siri commands now without an internet connection, which is, is great. Um, well, I, I'm, 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 they also, there was a very brief section where they were, they talked about Siri coming to third-party accessories. So they briefly mm. demonstrated like an Echo Bee, didn't they? They did, yeah. And that, I don't know how that's going to work. Is that also going to be sort of on-chip? Are they going to sell Siri chips to third-party manufacturers? How, how well is that going to be adopted? I don't know. I, I think it uses something else as the hub for that. I don't know if that's, where again, where a HomePod Mini or Apple TV comes in. It does something clever with that. So maybe the communication with so we rests on that apple device i don't know but you're right because as soon as you give give the ability for a completely different third-party piece of hardware to interact with siri then i mean apple aren't gonna aren't gonna allow you know another device to mistreat siri are they i suppose mm. but yeah i'm with you I don't, I don't know how that's going to work technically yeah so i'll keep an eye on that i'm interested to see how that pans out Absolutely. but yeah no icloud plus yeah private relay see you later vpns yeah and uh, burner emails as well. Yeah, that was really cool. Because uh, I do that already. Do you? Yeah, so I've got my true email address, but I, uh, for every service that I sign up to online, I make one up and um, store all of that information in one password. So yeah, every single online service has got a unique username and a unique password, which I've done manually for years. Mm -hmm. And ongoing, it looks like I won't have to do that. Yeah, I think it's great. And and the VPN thing, which most people are using these days, well, not most, but a lot of people are using these days, whether they're working from home or just protecting whatever they're doing if they're in a coffee shop, etc. It's Again, we haven't tried it yet, uh, but I, I would guess it's going to be pretty seamless. Well, it's a, it's a stage further than VPN. It's actually more like yeah. Tor. So even with VPN, there is still a certain amount of uh, profiling and spying that can be done on you yeah. by your ISP. And this will take that away. And it's added for free if you're an iCloud iCloud user at the moment. It's um, yeah, it does make that Apple One subscription because it's all bundled, bundled into that. I think really, isn't it? It makes it a bit of a no-brainer if you're an Apple person. Well, it would do, except I still I hate Apple Music still, and I don't want I don't I, unless you're I don't want to hate Apple Music. I really wish I couldn't hear the things that I can hear in it because I want to take advantage of the cost savings. <laughs> available with apple one but it's it's not it's the one thing holding you back isn't it it is i think we've rinsed as much of wwdc and apple music lossless etc as we can really is, is there anything we haven't mentioned because my, my brain this week is fried anyway with how much is going on i think we probably need we need a bit longer just to kind of get our heads around it and, and eventually try it on, on the betas but yeah is there anything we haven't talked about that you can think of there, I mean, there are a handful of things that will appeal to the developers yep and it was, it was a bit of a strange presentation because it was a, there was a lot of stuff that will benefit the consumer and you know with the odd mention of you know new apis and things that they introduced but the actual information about what they've what they're doing for developers was quite sparse and i guess they go into more detail in the the breakout sessions of which there are hundreds yeah but um, the thing, the, the things that will be appealing to developers are that Swift now has concurrency. I don't think anyone listening to this is going to care about that. But if you're a developer and you know what that means, then you'll be super happy about that. Um, A/B testing in the App Store, test flight on the Mac—that's another big one. Mm. Um, and Xcode Cloud, so you can offload building your app to the cloud, and it will 
run automated tests in parallel across every kind of Apple device and tell you where there are issues. So that's uh, that, that will save developers a bunch of time. And if you're saving developers time and giving them cool tools, then we get better apps. Yeah. So I'll be. I'm looking forward to seeing what. Uh, what they do with that can't be a bad thing at all all that stuff was kind of bundled at the back of the the event wasn't it the, 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 the last sort of 10 minutes were devoted to that which a bit odd when it's a developer only event well not only but developer focused event although like you say i think the, the state of the union that follows it and the rest of the sessions will cover cover those guys but um yeah an interesting one just a shame about ipad os that was the biggest issue there are a lot of nice to haves a lot of little improvements here and there that will make it a, a more pleasant operating system to use and uh yeah i, I I'm only disappointed because I set my expectations too high. But when you look at it objectively, there's a lot of good stuff in there. I think you're right with that. Yeah. Um, well, like we, we didn't mention um, tracking pixel blocking in mail. That's oh no, a privacy thing they mentioned. That's that's pretty. That's a big deal. That is a really big deal. Yeah. And the uh, app privacy labels. So it will show you what you know what, any personal information that it has accessed. You know, recently, so it'll say, "Well, look, it's accessed your photos, your location, this, that, and the other." Um, but it will also tell you any hosts that it's connected to, similar to Little Snitch on the Mac or Glasswire mm. on other platforms, so that you can uh, you can really have a look and see what what is it doing. And I think you might be appalled by how many uh, things that apps um, try to connect to. So where I've tried to run iPad and iOS apps on mac os now that you can do that and because i've got little snitch where i explicitly allow on a domain by domain basis what any given app can connect to you open up one of those iphone apps and there'll be like a dozen things that it's trying to connect to well, it's, uh, it's a bit of an eye opener so if you haven't tried little snitch I'd, uh, I'd recommend it i might do that i might go and try little snitch now and listen to the jurassic park theme at the same time in special <laughs> audio <laughs> awesome i think we've done it interrupt cheers all right, see ya. <laughs>